Hi, and welcome to this special festive episode of the V-Suit Podcast, the virtualization podcast that always wears its Christmas jumper. Ed Christian and myself are gathered round a blazing syslog fire and are planning to take a few moments to take stock of 2011 and perhaps what we've got to look forward to in 2012. So, I guess, um, Christian, did you want to start the ball rolling as to uh, what uh, what 2011 has done for you and uh, where you're looking to go in 2012? Uh, 2011 has been interesting. Um, after eight years at C-Trans, I decided to literally jump ship uh, and move back into consultancy, uh, which uh, and I actually had my last day today, so... It's been uh, it's been an emotional day for that for that matter. It's uh, it's uh, after eight years you kind of get attached to both people and sadly enough the infrastructure and hardware as well, which is it's it's hard to leave behind uh, after spending so much time on it. So it's uh, that's probably what's closest on my mind at the moment uh, with regards to 2011. To be to be honest, but yeah, will, will you be taking home some. Uh some souvenir snapshots of the uh, the data center to keep in your wallet to remind you of those fun times. <laughs> I, I might have to. Uh, I'm, I'm going. They're probably going to hire me back for a while, so uh, so I, I guess I'll have the opportunity to do so. I've been spending the last couple of weeks uh, working on some HP blade systems with you know, C seven thousand blade racks and and uh, some Flex ten and virtual connect, which. Has been been really fun actually. It's been uh, been uh, it's been pretty good. So, but I don't have any photos of that. So I, I guess I need to go back and hug that server again and get someone to post a f- photo of it. I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh, definitely, definitely a good idea. But uh, looking looking forward to some downtime over Christmas. Yeah, for once in a while, or for the first time in uh, seven or eight years, I guess I, I, I'm actually going to have a whole week off with. No work responsibilities at all, which also means no email. Um, I've I've deleted my uh, my email profile off my iPhone, so uh, I don't have any anything to uh, care about with in that regard for the next week. Which is which will be interesting to see if how how my mind copes with not <laughs> having email all the time. Yeah, I, th- I think b- being unplugged is. Uh is something that's quite difficult to do. Um, I only read today that uh, Volkswagen, the uh, car manufacturer, has taken the decision to um, stop their BlackBerry service forwarding mail uh, out of hours. So an hour after your shift finishes, uh, your BlackBerry won't, you, know, you won't get any, any work mails until an hour before your shift starts. Um, and I got thinking about that, I mean, you know, I can see why they've done it, and it's apparently, you know, they've had complaints about people uh, running into issues with their work-life balance. Um, and I suppose with a BlackBerry, it's much more prominent because it's such a push email device that mails there, whether you've hit refreshed or not. You know, I remember my first smartphone was a Windows Mobile, and uh, push mail didn't work on it. However, that didn't stop me hitting refresh on a very regular basis. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know sort of how I would cope without it because I'd always panicking that that, that first mail when uh, first hour then when I can get mail in the morning is the what the hell's gonna gone on overnight? Um, yeah, it actually saves me some time when I answer some mails before I go to sleep or something like that. Yeah, true. Our you know, companies worried that they're gonna hit 
early burnout in some of their staff because they're by giving them a BlackBerry, they're effectively saying, you are our bitch 24 hours a day, whether you want to or not, because we've given you this device. And, you know, it, it will be ruling your life for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, and I noticed someone else, uh, I think Simon Long was talking on Twitter about uh, having a conversation about VMware's mobile platform. And, you know, there's, there's a, a few of the VMware guys appear to be running, uh, you know, the MVP on their phones. And his concern was about, you know, can he switch the work profile off yet still take calls on his personal profile? Um, and, you know, differentiate the two. And at the moment, it seemed, in theory, you can do it, but he wanted to have two numbers uh, so that he could actually say, you know, out of hours, my work phone's not going to be available. Yeah, that's but, the problem. Not two, no two SIMs still, no two numbers. Yeah, there's, I mean, there are software ways of doing it where effectively you have a white list of numbers, I think. And if you're on the white list, then you can, you can, You'll be your call will be received twenty four hours a day. But if you're on the, you know, the work list or the sort of the non white list, uh, then uh, yeah, your calls will be screened out of hours, which is an interesting way of doing it. So you still have one number; it's just sort of two personality profiles within that number. Um, because I mean, I stopped carrying two phones around years ago. I can't stand carrying two phones around; it's just two charges and too much for pain. Um, but you know that does mean I, I am liable to be called twenty four hours a day. Thankfully, I'm not doing an on call job anymore. Uh, but I think you know I still have people phoning me uh, at odd hours. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that um, <laughs> it depends on what kind of uh, what kind of work you're doing, I guess. Mm. I, I, I thought like, and I, I mean, someone who works on a production line or. Uh, design line or whatever, uh, they probably don't need to check their work email 24-7. Um, and, and by doing something like this, they actually encourage people to actually take time off. But for someone who's uh, in kind of IT uh, management or infrastructure or whatever, uh, I would probably go completely nuts if I didn't get the emails. I'm normally uh, an hour or half an hour without any emails from some kind of uh, monetary system or whatever probably means that my email services aren't running, uh, <laughs> which would probably freak me out more than actually getting uh, the the emails warning me that something else is going on. So, yeah, and what about, like, I have alerts mailed to me regularly. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, it's 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 a it's a hard balance to 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 uh, it's it's hard to balance that thing. But that's one of the things I'm I'm kind of looking forward to in my new my new role as well. Is that by the looks of things, I won't be the guy responsible for um, running stuff anymore. So I'll be a consultant doing uh, a project related work for external clients, and then going home when I when I'm done. And that's a hard pill to swallow because yeah. you always that's, feel like you got to run stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a big change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's taken me so long to realize that I'm now in a job where I don't have domain apping anymore. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, they kind of told me when I'm, I uh, was doing interviews with them, then if you want to, you can turn off your phone at 4 o'clock when you leave the office. 
And then I was thinking, well, is, is that actually possible? Could I, could I actually do that? And given my kind of, uh, the level of interest I put into the, uh, the work I'm doing, I'm not thinking I'll be able to do that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think I know myself that well that I, I probably will be uh, available 24 seven, uh, even if I'm not obliged to do be 24 seven anymore. But, uh, it, it'll take some time getting used to, I guess. That's very true. I mean, uh, for example, at the moment, I am, I'm officially on holiday. And in reality, what that means is it takes slightly longer to reply to an email because I'll probably finish, uh, finish what I'm doing before replying to an email rather than replying to one instantly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which which is reflection's quite bad, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a... Bad. A holiday is a postponement of, of uh, reply cycles, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting to, to look at uh, how Telenor in, in Norway is kind of doing uh, the opposite thing of, of what Volkswagen is doing. And at least they're doing that in their commercials. Uh, they have a commercial running on Norwegian TV now that says... Uh, you, you're see, you see this guy that has, has this uh, Outlook uh, out-of-office message hanging above his head. Where he's typed in that he'll be on uh, on a week's vacation or a couple of days vacation, uh, and he won't be be replying to emails. And then his his manager walks up to him and, and hands him a, a mobile broadband connection device. Yeah. And and just isn't this kind of old fashioned the old out of office thing? Just take this device and take a couple of extra days off. And that's kind of their selling point to to the businesses that give your employees this. And they'll be, they can take a few more days off uh, with vacation because they they won't be on vacation after all since they have email all the time. Yeah, honestly, that's a pretty horrible idea. It is. <laughs> what a bad message. Yeah, um, it is. It, it's terrible. It does, yeah, it, 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 I very quickly wanted to touch on, um, you both, both you guys sort of were talking about, you know, alerts that you get overnight. Hmm. Um and it kind of it goes back to one of our early conversations about monitoring and alerting. Um, yeah, clown shoes. My legendary cl- clown shoes rant. Yeah. Um, so when you get an alert, do you action it? Do you, oh. if, if you get a mail, do you do something about it straight away? It makes me feel good that I see it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is someone going to be action that, actioning that mail? Yeah, usually, I would say ninety percent of the time, no. No, that's my experience as well. You get something, you read it, and you kind of assess it uh, then and there. Is, is this something that I actually need to do something about right now, or is it something that can wait? And then most of the time it's not something that's so critical that you have to abs- run out and do something about it immediately anyway. But that also means that next morning when I get into the office, I, I know what's been going on, and, and it kind of prepares me for what's in store for the next day as well. I mean, yeah, granted, I've had those where I've had to jump up and run out and do stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah me but, too. But, um, I mean, so few and far between, and yeah. half the time uh, it might be due to configuration of the monitoring project, but we're getting yeah. messages that are yeah, they don't make sense or they're not relevant Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've been working with various people about sort of uh, designing monitoring systems and doing alerting, and their mantra is: 
if you if you're not going to action an alert mail, then you shouldn't be getting that mail in the first place. And you got you both sort of hinted that there's yeah there's ones that you should take action on immediately because it's a critical error. And perhaps that's something that uh, in a world where you didn't have out of hours mobile device mail that you'd have got a phone call about. That would be a, a knock phoning you up going, yeah, it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, whereas the stuff that is more, well, this is what this is going to be on your work list in the next morning. Um, apart from the nice sort of forewarning, uh, I suppose, yeah, you still want to be notified about it, but not necessarily as on that critical path. Yeah, that's true, but it's, it, it's hard to uh, differentiate if you're on a smartphone uh, and you get you get emails, uh, you get email alerts or whatever, and and it's hard to predetermine through a monitoring system what's critical enough to warrant an actual action right there and then, and something that's not a big issue. I I, I have an example there. We have uh, use we use a system uh, or used a system at Citrans that monitors uh, the event log of Windows servers. Okay. So if something is marked as a failure in uh, some of the event logs, you get an email copy of it. Okay. Okay, so uh, uh, the day after Patch Tuesday, you might get a notification that you haven't installed the latest updates, which might not be an issue right there and then, but you know that, okay, these servers haven't been patched or booted or whatever, uh, so you can create a list out of that of the, of, uh, over the servers that you need to, to take action on. But then something else happens that also writes an error message to the event log, which triggers the same alert, which might be something completely different, like a service, service stopping or whatever. Yeah. And it's really hard to differentiate those two through a monitoring system and decide which one should prompt an alert on your phone or not. That's true. That's true. Takes, and, that there are. and it takes almost tons and tons of tweaking and everything to make it so that you know exactly which ones you should be receiving and which ones you should not. Exactly. But yep. you're, when you read them, you know instantly if this is something you need to take care of or, or if this is something that's normal and doesn't actually... Uh, doesn't actually have have a business impact at all. It doesn't matter, but you know about it. So there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of logic that needs to be built into those systems to be able to actually differentiate those two, and and that also kind of uh, requires that you have someone receiving those alerts that know what's going on. Uh, I had another another example as well where. Some of the alerts were not only sent to me, but they were sent to other people in, in our IT department as well, and they completely freaked out about them. <laughs> and start because, calling the wrong people. Oh, yeah, and started taking action on, actions yeah. on things that doesn't matter, and because they didn't have the experience with the actual alerts to know what was a problem or not, or if, with the infrastructure for that matter. So... You you kind of need a human element in that to to be able to differentiate all of the uh, you need filter, human. the signal to noise ratio is uh, kind of a a, a human human thing to differ, differentiate you a, on. You need a human filter. That's yeah. why some of us have jobs. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I guess that's in theory what your sort of you know your operations team are there for. Uh, that is the function of a knock. 
yeah. is that they are that final level of um, oh, what is it Amazon used to call it the mechanical Turk as in you know they're doing actually a fairly simple job but it's not a job that you could automate particularly yeah, easily that's true but in my case we have a, a three person IT department and that's yeah. it so who's going to who's going to be that 24-7 guy it's yeah, going to be I the guess, guy that has the, the uh, has the most experience and the most uh, who's in most in, in touch with the entire environment, which in my case was me. Yeah. So I, I had to be that filter because the other guys didn't have the experience to to actually analyze the alerting uh, without jumping to the wrong conclusions at the wrong time. Yeah, I'm in a similar situation. I mean, it's a fairly larger team. But it's me and one other guy that'll constantly get called if it's not understood what the message actually means. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's hard to automate people. Uh, you can do a lot of fun stuff with PowerShell, which I recently have, but it's hard to automate people. True, true. I, I guess you know you have to understand your process, and you have to really the the better you understand the infrastructure, the easier. You can automate it. Come on, Chris. There's a there's a uh, plug from Veeam Monitor somewhere in here, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go down the uh, system center. The uh, the NWorks. I've been doing a lot of work with our management pack product. Um, so it's more the underlying system center stuff because obviously, you know, where Veeam comes in is connecting uh, system center to VMware and bringing mm. you know one one into the other. Um, and yeah, it works pretty well. But System Center is something that I've been aware of and I've, been, I've played around with, but uh, you know, been only just starting to get really in depth with it. And it's a good product, but uh, yeah, for a small business, you could spend a lot of time tuning it um, for not necessarily a massive reward. It, it's it's much more applicable in the larger on the larger scale of things as you scale up. It's definitely yeah. that. That's true. Yeah, that's um, a big, big difference between small and large organizations uh, in how to respond and how to do the alerting. So, uh, but I'm not sure that turning off email, especially for infrastructure people, is a, a is a very good idea. To be honest, but it's probably a good idea for the. Uh, to be honest, I probably shouldn't get emails twenty four seven because I I check them. If I get an email, I read it. That's how I work. Yep. So, it would probably be, I would probably be better off, uh, my mind would probably have a lot more rest if I didn't get them, but if I didn't get them, I would be constantly worried that something's wrong anyway. You know what's really cool, though? When you take a holiday and you're somewhere where you cannot even look at your mail, like, it's not possible. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that works. Or it's deleting the, your email profile from your phone, which I have. So it's the only solution. But whenever I get yeah. back to the hotel and I'm wireless, I, I check it like crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you can't, can't. It's it's really hard to get away from doing that. It is. What What about going to the the other extreme? Um, I I'm just trying to find the name of the company, um, and it it escapes me at the moment. Again, very recently, who have announced that they are depreciating internal email. Yeah, ADOS. Oh, that's the one, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, Origin, this one's. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're, a, they're an IT company as well. So, mm. 
they've decided they've taken the, the decision not to use internal email, and I guess they're going to try and do things with wikis and blogs and you know instant messaging and uh, you know almost. Uh, I'm guessing if they've got Salesforce, they'll use something like Chatter, which is an internal Twitter basically. Um, or if you've got uh, there's another one called Yammer, which is essentially an internal Twitter framework that you can, if you pay enough, I think you can link it into your SharePoint installs and all sorts of funky stuff around that. Yeah, and just like everything else with SharePoint, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you pay enough money, basically, <laughs> then you'll... Someone will get it to work at some point if you throw enough money at it. Yeah, and it'll look exactly Possibly. like something that you can get for free. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I digress. So... You know, I've heard about people who've reduced their internal mail volumes by, you know, use of instant messaging, blah blah blah, or you know, good old-fashioned talking to people who'd thunk it. But yeah. I would have also thought that a services company, particularly, needs an audit trail. And one thing that email does provide is an audit trail. Um, so I, I do wonder how they're going to cope with that. Yeah. Yeah, in my company, it's absolutely necessary, that audit trail. Um, yeah, I mean, whether it's just a policy to say, well, let's let's not do, you know, let's try and uh, make a conscious effort to reduce mail, uh, I think that's a, that's a great idea. Um, but Yeah, but you have to provide altern alternatives to people, then. So, um, everyone has a phone anyway, so talking to people is, is an alternative, but it's... There are a lot of stuff that actually needs a written kind of statement for being able to do the correct actions on, on stuff. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing to be be uh, be looking at. But it's I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm looking at the uh, the ADOS uh, article on BBC Co UK right now, and they're they're in post they're in post 2014 zero email deadline. That's uh, for a company that has spans a lot of company uh, countries and consulting and technology services. I mean that's uh, that's an interesting move. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. usually, I mean, take it this in this route when there's a litigation, right? Mm. Yeah. The first thing they always go for is give us your email records. Yeah. First thing, and what if a company says we don't have them? How do the lawyers react? How, how you know? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I assume they're still going to have external mail. So yeah. perhaps client, you know, uh, client communications are still going to be um, held in that particular fact fashion. Well, yeah, most but of these things, there's a lot of specific, like say an Enron type deal or something like that. Yeah. They want internal stuff. Yeah. Perhaps this is their way of covering it, saying, "Well, we don't." <laughs> You can't prove it. It didn't happen. It was all done on post-it notes, which we subsequently ate. <laughs> You'll be back to photos or it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, the internal up. site will just be called Pix or GTFO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. That, that is, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, but I guess we, we kind of strayed from our... Uh, initial thoughts here, which was kind of 2011 and now what? So, yep. I, I did my rant, so, anyone else? 
yeah, I think Ed, it's, it's definitely your turn. Uh, you know, it's not like us to go off on tangents, of course. No, yeah, <laughs> I've been, yeah, I've been quite busy. Um, I'd say this year, 2011, I traveled about 60 percent of my time that I've lived in Switzerland, which is interesting. Um, everywhere from Asia to recently, I was just in. The past two months, I've been halfway between Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, and uh, Los Angeles. And in Los Angeles, I had a pretty large project where I had to drop in a whole new infrastructure and um, start migrating some Hyper-V instances, create a runbook, basically, um, for for how the engineering staff and the operations staff on how to complete it there and provide weekly support to them on these migrations and sign off on all of them. That's that's a pretty interesting, pretty interesting project I'm thrown into, but still pretty quickly the whole um, Asia Pacific role is coming really fast. So my hands are in a lot of uh, jars right now, and to be honest, I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm really enjoying it. So oh, it's nothing like having uh, having some good challenges thrown at you. Um, so the the problems you have with Hyper V, I mean, you had some. If I recall, some of your uh, uh, challenges were political, some were technical. Um, I would say the top technical one that's probably the easiest fix, right, is read the converter guide. Um, There's no information telling you it's absolutely 100% necessary to turn off user access control inside of Windows 2008 R2. Ah. Um, They're not going to tell you that. And also, when you turn it off... Windows 2008 R2 doesn't tell you you need to reboot. (laughs) (laughs) So the the problems weren't hyper because I remember I I saw your tweets and I didn't know whether your your anger was directed at Hyper-V or directed at Converter. And I've I've had chance to swear at Converter many a time. Um, So yeah, Um, but so the, the issue was Converter rather than Hyper-V. Well. if you would say converter because I would more attribute the problem to being uh, Windows and being completely fat hypervisor (laughs) and um, you actually having to reboot 200 virtual machines to be able to get uh, to get the function you need to work oh fair enough (laughs) and if it's not in a clustered configuration you know then you're kind of screwed uh, yeah, that would that would make sense. I mean, yeah, the, the clustering is it's interesting because Hyper-V has brought a lot of challenges to if it was just your average Windows admin who's been trying to get into it. Um, most Windows people never really dealt with clustering, um, so the fact that you have to cluster Hyper-V to make it worthwhile, um, even though know, to get your CSVs and all of, all of that. Um, I think presents quite a big challenge to your average, your average Joe doing uh, a Windows shop that's got to do virtualization. Yeah, we have about twenty. Or yeah, there's about twenty boxes there, non-clustered. Oh, all with VMs on them, and we have to evacuate every single one of them. Ouch. Yeah. So it presents some problems. So here's what I here's what I did in the end. I I loaded another Hyper-V host. <laughs> yeah, and um, I export the machines to that host, and then I migrate them from there. 
And that made the migrations a bit easier? Yeah. So what I all I did was I, I created this configuration myself. So I just export the machines there because, of course, yeah, I would never, even if you could, I would never migrate one of these with converter power down. Never. Because you don't know what kind of mess you're going to wind up with on the other side. Okay. But, um, yeah, I notice you're very safe with your talking. That's okay. You work for a vendor now. But I'll continue because I don't. With, um, with Hyper-V recently, uh, I went along to uh, Microsoft's sort of TechNet guys ran uh, the prototype of an event. Uh, you've been, you've probably been to a TechNet event of some some way, shape, size, or form. Uh, but this was what something they called their IT Pro Camp. Um, and the idea was, it was a, you know a little bit more open framework of. 15 to 20 guys doing a big sort of round table with a couple of um, Microsoft chaps at the front uh, doing you know, technical, a technical walkthrough and actually sort of live demoing stuff. Um, so in this particular instance, they were uh, attempting to build a Hyper-V cluster using a bit of Windows Core and a bit of full-fat full uh, Hyper-V. And, you know, even even they got some things wrong. Um, there's, there's things you would think would be quite easy from a VMware point of view or a little bit more of a challenge from uh, when you do it with Hyper-V. I know uh, they changed Windows clustering, but I can't help it. I just hate it. Uh, I just it's it's hate always it. been a tricky point. <laughs> <laughs> you take the, the DNS records are, are tombstoned or, or DNS isn't available. Things just fall down like dominoes. Uh, DNS is a critical service for anything anything <laughs> Windows really, isn't it? Well, it should be, have the ability to run without it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a true point. But, but the thing I noticed that was even uh, I spoke to quite a few guys who were running Hyper-V in production. Um, it was you know after you know after we had uh, Scott on the call uh, this year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he was much more on the Red Hat side, but uh, it, it was interesting to see what sort of scale people are deploying in production. And even people with you know, a big cluster were still five or six hosts. And you never re I wasn't really seeing anyone that was going beyond that scale. So mm. I think it, you do have to deploy multiple clusters um, rather than VMware where you might well... For example, I went to see someone uh, this week and they had a 22-host cluster. Whoa. Uh, which was, you know, with, with VMware, it's actually not that difficult to build up and have it more or less work. It presents a few challenges of its own. Um, and you probably but, shouldn't do that. By... You should, yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of that, uh, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean that you should, but yeah. they felt that they did um, and uh, that it was working all right for them. Uh, I had my reservations about it and did mention them. But... Uh, Let's let's hope that they manage to get past those. Um, particularly version five, I think they've been all right. The fact that they're running on version four point one means they're they're in for some, some uh, fun and games if they ever lose a chassis. But hopefully they'll uh, they'll upgrade to version five before that particular instance happens. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that sort of segues very briefly into sort of my world, um, which has been a whirlwind really for the last six months. Um, I've uh, I've done you know plenty of travelling, uh, probably not quite exploring as much of the Pacific Rim as Ed has, uh, but I've uh, I've spent my, spent some time in uh, 
the uh, the colder parts of Europe and uh, actually off to Russia. Uh, we've got a annual kickoff in uh, January, so I've had the fun of getting my Russian visa sorted. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to St. Petersburg in minus 26. Which it, is, it'll be a fun experience. It, it always is when you get to go somewhere really different for work. Yes. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I guess um, Vietnam it's, it itself must have been a very, very different sort of location. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole idea of day in, day out, oh, I come in, I sit at my desk, that's just gone, man. <laughs> it just does not exist. It's like I wake up, it, this year it's 60% travel, so it's like I wake up in a hotel room, and sometimes I even wondered what country I was in. Fantastic. Yeah, before I could even catch grasp, oh, you're in China right now, and uh, you have to be at work in five hours. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. It's, it's all in a, a half a year's work, I guess, or, yeah. or something, or a day's work. I don't know. <laughs> um, speaking of travel, I might actually be going to, we'll see. Uh, I don't know yet, but San Francisco in late August next year sounds interesting. Ooh, Maybe actually. you might get to hang around for VMworld. Yeah, that's probably where I'm headed if I'm going. So it, know, it, it, it looks like I might be. You know what? I have the option next year because I might have to be in L.A. during that time. Yeah, so that might be interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm really hoping that'll work out, but it, by the looks of things right now, it seems like it might be possible, so should be interesting. Um, also, uh, speaking of nothing, really, but just a random thought, uh, I had a lot of fun meeting up with Eric Sloof here in, in Bergen uh, a, a few weeks ago. That was a lot of fun. Uh, all of a sudden, he was doing some training courses, uh, VMware training courses in, in, in Bergen, so we met up one night and had a... A lot of laughs and a lot of a lot of fun. So that was uh, that was really cool having Eric come here, uh, and hopefully he'll be back in February if everything works out, and I'll be attending one of his training classes then. So, oh, fantastic! Well, I yeah. think we have to get uh, Eric on the uh, on the show. Uh, yeah, he kind of uh, he surprised me with a video camera uh, and kind of ambushed me into doing an interview with him, which uh, was I was totally unprepared for, but it, it was. <laughs> It was fun. I watched it. You looked okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't look no. like a potato. So, no. no, so it, it's better than VMworld, I guess. So, so <laughs> or at least Chris, VMworld 2011. So, Chris, anything else uh, from your side there? You got any other big projects? or? or, or? Oh, I've been doing a, a lot of stuff. As I say, I've been moving gently towards uh, working with System Center uh, quite a lot and sort of the enterprise monitoring side of things. Uh, you know, the backup side is very, very busy. Um, as you know, we had the, the V6 launch and a fair few people have been playing with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm actually running like, it in production here in two sites. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean the the take up of it has been amazing. Um, I've I've seen the download figures as to how many downloads, and it's tens of thousands of downloads since we um, we deployed. I could uh, say at least fifteen of those are me because I kept downloading <laughs> it because I forgot. Nah, that's right. <laughs> it's, these days, it, it's for the most part. 
quicker to download stuff than actually figuring out where you stored it on yeah. your hard drive. That's <laughs> the, la the last time you downloaded it. So the, the days of keeping installation files around uh, is long gone. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll do a Veeam plug for you, Chris. Uh, your uh, NFR licenses for VCPs, VExperts, MVPs, or whatever. Essentially, uh, ever sat any form of IT certification in the history of ever, you can have an NFR. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and VCP I, I, too, I got it. So. Yeah. yeah. So, well, VExperts and everything. So, uh, VExperts uh, get one, VMUG members. Yeah. You name it. You just have to breathe, I think, or have a <laughs> pulse. If you went to the bathroom at a VMUG, like... Just stopped in. They give you free licenses. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it, it gets it out and gets. I can, I can see why they do it. I think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, I, I actually encourage one of my co workers to 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 do that and get it downloaded and, and and set it up in the lab environment he has at home that I pretty much provided provided for him. So uh, since we're running uh, backup and recovery in in production, he needs to get. To know it properly, so that's a, it's it's a good idea, uh, absolutely. And I, I, it's it's interesting to see how much uh, PR VM get VM gets from from that actually. So it's it's a good idea. More people should look into doing stuff like that. Um, giving away well, a couple a of a fair few. You've got all the yeah. um, EMC door there, storage appliances. Um, there's a few that that don't. Uh, you know, NetApp's mm. one, for example. I think you've got to be a customer to get hold of their simulator haven't you yeah i think so so um it's give the stuff away for to people who know how to to either break it or fall in love with it and then uh it'll build a basis for for a healthy customer base as well so oh yeah i mean there's i think there's lots of software companies uh know that you know get people hooked in for free mm -hmm. you know, first one's for free you want more licenses? That's going to cost you. <laughs> but, uh, and it does work. And the, the uptake between the amount of free stuff a company gives away and the amount that people are willing to pay for, uh, I think, says, says gen you know, speaks volumes for the quality of product. And I'm also uh, impressed by how quickly I was able to just kind of like uh, train this staff in California mm -hmm. and let them loose on it. Cool. I mean, I'll check back in a while to see how screwed up it is. <laughs> but, you just go back to LA and it's just a smoking hulk. Well, we tried to do a backup, blew the company out. That, that's pretty much LA in general, though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Veeam does not want to be the start of the next LA riots, by the way. It's, uh... No, it's more likely to be Ed, I guess. Can't we all just get along? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, when that's... you go, you're going to occupy some places, Ed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, really, it was it. That was the easiest part of my implementation there. Just to, yeah, we won't we won't plug too much, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my boss wouldn't mind. He's probably uh, probably probably be getting an IM as we speak, saying yeah, fuck more. <laughs> But uh, no, it's 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 great to hear, and you know, it's it's always nice to work for a company that people, on the whole, are, are positive about it. Um, you know, my my other half was uh, due to go; she's uh, interviewing for some jobs at the moment, and uh, one of the places she went for an interview is a company that's very closely connected to the tobacco industry, 
and they seriously they did sort of have to ask her that you know did she have any moral worries about working for the tobacco industry and she said absolutely not um <laughs> mind you she smokes like a chimney um <laughs> it would be slightly hypocritical if she did uh but yeah it's you know I don't, I don't. I certainly have no moral qualms working for for Veeam, uh, which is, is definitely a good thing. Uh, it's, you know, it's not, not we're not the constructors well, on the Death well, Star. Well, come on. I mean, what what kind of moral qualms could you have? I mean, what kind of morals? Very little. No, I mean qualms. I mean, seriously, software company. I did see a a software company questioning the the logic uh, and the the Americanism of uh, purchasing software that was not manufactured in the U.S., uh, which may or may not have been a jibe at the fact that Beam's R and D is not done in the U.S. Well, I right. mean, hello, dude. We're not in a global. We're in a global economy now. We're not in this closed off stuff. From yeah, you know, yeah. Until the you you U.S. guys. Pretty much turn off the internet, but that's another discussion, I guess. Oh yeah, well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm so far away from that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're, we're gonna get screwed for this one. I mean, there are Americans or the U.S. guys, Congress, turning off the internet and name calling L.A. and I probably. I'll probably be banned from going to San Francisco now. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that, this is the whole sofa issue, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So GoDaddy kind of backpedaled on that a bit. <laughs> they were supporting it, and all of a sudden they weren't because people were actually migrating away from them. Uh, what I think people will... I, I, I have used GoDaddy as well, and I'll be transferring out of them uh, as soon as I can, but uh, GoDaddy backpedaling and, and all of a sudden not being uh, uh, one of the uh, proponents for the sofa uh, stuff, it's kind of interesting to see how quickly uh, they went back on that, considering they were one of the companies that actively developed the entire thing. So it'll be interesting to see how how many Super Bowl ads it'll take to fix that one. Okay, yeah, I mean, I've, it's one of those things that uh, a lot of the news sites I followed didn't really give SOPA much coverage because they thought it was such a ridiculously stupid thing; it would never get beyond the light of day. Yeah, it's uh, only the US. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but everybody I, hating I, on the U.S. No, but I, I'm from a company, or for, for, uh, from a country that's, the, our biggest problem is at the moment is actually the lack of butter in our stores. Butter. So The Norwegian butter crisis, yeah. That's yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting thing as well. Uh, no, it's not, but okay. <laughs> it's completely stupid. We're a bunch of people going on some low carb diet, and everyone's doing that, and which means that everyone's pretty much drinking bacon fat and eating butter, and we're out of it. <laughs> there will be a lot of fat Vikings running running around scrimmaging for butter somewhere. I don't know. It's uh, it, it, it's, I'm amazed by this. It, this this doesn't make any sense to me You're at all. Starting to see like guys turn up on the street with signs like "Excuse me, brother, can you spare a stick of butter?" and show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Will work for butter. <laughs> Occupy diaries, uh, dairies. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, 
it's a crazy world. You got black market butter that's going to be cut with margarine. <laughs> they they have been stopping people on the borders smuggling butter into Norway. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, Brilliant. people are actually making money smuggling butter into Norway. So from what would happen Sw- right now if I tried to ship you a shitload of butter from Switzerland to uh, Norway? I don't know. Uh, and, you know, market something innocuous like cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I, Norway has some ridiculous rules regarding import of uh, agricultural stuff. So we're, we're trying to protect our own, our own sovereignty by being self-sufficient, which is funny a basic story. joke in the first place. They should ask for aid from Switzerland because we have more butter than we know what to do with here. Yeah, but you guys probably won't sell it to us because we have a markup of uh, about 140% or something as a toll barrier to protect the Norwegian agricultural stuff. Well, I'm sure the governments can talk to one another and get this all straightened out. I think I think there should be some form of well-lubricated butter pipeline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just yeah, build well, a pipeline and shoot I, I, the butter up there, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just gonna suddenly hear this hump sound. <laughs> oh, a ton of dairy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that like, sounds uh, like a great way to end 2011. I don't know. <laughs> it is possibly the butter mortar. That's the way to do it. Launch an airport on, on that shit. <laughs> Oh, man. What are you doing, Lurpak? <laughs> <laughs> so. But speaking of the, the bacon fat, uh, actually, a colleague bought me uh, an early Christmas present, and I yes, have yet to try I saw it. that. Ba- <laughs> yeah, uh, bacon infused chocolate. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to trying. <laughs> I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. I would be also. I'm not going to let that stop me. I, I might not have to have a few drinks first, but I will be eating the bacon chocolate. Yeah, yeah. You would have to. So, <laughs> 2012, what's coming? Yes. What's coming? More butter. <laughs> Hopefully we can end this damn butter crisis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's it's taking its toll. Um, yeah, I suppose what's what's coming down the line, technology speaking, there, there's oh, there must be another v, uh, vSphere point update fairly soon. Because mm, yeah. um, 4.1 was fairly quickly after version 4, wasn't it? So I guess yeah, this... I, I, I'm thinking that I, I I think VMware will push something out pretty quickly or as close to Hyper V3 release as possible. That's my speculation. Yeah, if anything, just to try and take some heat off that. But, you know, what features could they put in? I mean, there's, I, I, I'm I trying know. to work out, you know, what, what clever stuff can they do in the feature set. You know, you've already got, I suppose you could enhance storage DRS and the whole store, data store cluster well, side of I things. I think you yeah. could enhance a lot of these VAAI primitives. Yep. Make them, you know, more mature, stuff like that. Maybe add in some new ones. So it's it, you're saying you know you think it's really going to be around the storage piece? It seems to be going that way. But I did I did see the flip side. I mean, uh, again, sort of just referencing back to an earlier guest when we had Duncan on. 
uh, saying VAI is brilliant if you've got a really good storage processor. If you've got crappy storage, doesn't matter how many APIs you've got into it, your storage will always be crappy. Um, and you're just offloading CPU into uh, an already under-spec storage processor. Sure, but I think that the main thing is is they're counting on getting this storage into as many data centers as they can. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, look at it. You have small, small, like like the VNX right now. Yep. Um, just, I remember, Christian, you were talking about it didn't support VAI in a past call. Now it yep. does. And, okay. I mean, even some of the smallest, they're trying to make them really cheap and affordable with the, that support it. I, I'll be upgrading mine then when I get it. I haven't got one yet, but there is one on the way from Santa Chat, actually. <laughs> wow. So I'll be, put, I'll, I'll be putting that in my lab, which should be fun, next to a HP microserver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, he's the uh, Chad Sackage is actually shipping me a VNXE. Wow. Yeah. That's pr pretty much my response as well when he told me. So, So yeah, I mean, you could upgrade VAI, I suppose, closer integration, better integration with Cloud, Cloud Director, actually, you know, rather than just saying we've got Cloud API, everyone builds stuff for it, actually do have more products that integrate better with that cloud API? I'm thinking uh, as far as predictions or for VMware in 2012 goes that they probably need to do something about pricing as well. Uh, because I, I, I'm actually kind of thinking that Hyper-V3 would... It, it will probably be good enough for that many people that the old mantra of Microsoft making something good enough for a lot of people is basically good enough for them as well. I think it's so, getting closer. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft really pushed in the next 12 months for, yeah. you know, they're going to really try and capture some, some big name VMware customers. Um, yeah, but I, I think the first casualties of the uh, virtualization war, if you can compare it to the uh, to the uh, kind of browser wars of yesterday, uh, is kind. Of, I, I think the the primary uh, uh, target, or it might not be the target, but I think the primary um, hypervisor people will be migrating from if they are migrating from something or if they're evaluating hypervisors. I think they many of them will kind of sway between Sen or Hyper-V. And I think the biggest user in initially would be Sen. And then I don't think Hyper-V uh, 3 would make that huge an impact in larger enterprises, but for the smaller ones doing uh, small-scale stuff, I think Sen is the first thing that probably Hyper-V will eat somehow. Yeah, and just facilitate that whole desktop piece. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, could, I can see that happening, but also I think there's, there is going to be more tiered hypervisor, people taking the approach that uh, Scott Merrill's company mm -hmm. took uh, yeah. of, of tiering those workloads, particularly you know, Oracle. If someone's running an Oracle workload um, virtualized, you would be insane not to put it on Oracle's um, hypervisor. You'll have too much money in your pockets if you don't do that. It's it's uh, but, yeah, but someone someone should strangle Larry Allison or something. I don't know. It's 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 the way they're doing this stuff is just totally, completely, and entirely 
uh, it's nuts. Yeah. Quick, it's plain and simple. It's 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 stupid. I don't get it. But okay, it's it's not my business. But it, it's it's a uh, uh, kind of if if you want to run our software virtualized, you need to pay us a lo- hell of a lot of money, or use our virtualized or use our hypervisor. I mean, come yeah. on. It's it's, uh, it's it's a pretty uh, interesting practice. Yeah, that's uh understatement of the year, I think. But it, it, it's uh, it's completely out there. I don't get it. So, but okay. But uh, you know, you may well see. I think you know, you might see um, tiered hypervisors being used. You might well run Hyper-V for a um, if you are going to do like a, a mess, you know, specific messaging platform and use have a exchange and link cluster. Mm-hmm. That, you might well just do that on Hyper-V and have a smallish cluster, but that's just where your mail is, and then have still have your tier one line of business applications on VMware. Yeah, but then, then you're, in, in my opinion, then you're kind of slowly working towards uh, hosts with specialized workloads again, which is kind of the one of the things we wanted to move away from by doing virtualization. Or is it the circle just coming back full circle again? Um, we're just doing it slightly differently. Yeah, putting a hypervisor in there and, and just dividing it up into several segments instead of running one workload per server. I don't know. I don't know, but it, it to me that kind of feels going backwards. I don't know. What about uh, hypervisor tiering for SLA? So have your dev and you know non-production stuff on a cheap hypervisor because it's dev and non-production. And you don't care about it, and mm-hmm. then have your expensive hypervisor running those. To one workloads, you know your production stuff that you do care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot more sense to me than doing application-specific clusters or and using different hypervisors for different applications. But I, I, the problem <laughs> I've run into with the whole test and dev discussion, though, mm-hmm. is a lot of people want to run performance tests in their test environment to see what their production <laughs> environment might be acting like. And now, you have to okay. explain to these guys that they can't do that. And they say, well, if I run this on my production environment, I'm going to crush it. And they have to schedule a downtime, essentially. So we have some applications that are so important, whereas they want it on the same iron. Yeah, I would say that's staging environment. I mean, from you know where, where I used to have SLAs, that's a staging SLA where staging should match production for hardware. Um, but yeah, non, uh, so it's like pre-production. So yeah, you, you would still have beefy hardware on it. But you know, test and dev, that, that should be on. Unless you've got a lot of money invested in that test and dev infrastructure, in which case you probably want it to match. So would you think maybe that tested dev could live off somewhere else for a long period of time until maybe the application owner said, hey, we want to run this... Um this test now and simulate a production load, and then you can move it into a staging environment, and then move it back that, again. Yeah, I mean, that's that was the whole principle of um, VMware's original lifecycle manager was that you mm. built, you had your dev cluster, and you built your your V app within that, and then you migrated a whole set of machines across SLAs. 
Yeah, it, it'll be hard to do that with differentiating hypervisors or different hypervisors. Sure. Uh, I mean, in, in the vCloud director world, you're simply moving those between tiers of virtual data center. Mm-hmm. You'd be going from a silver to a gold or gold to a platinum or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was the way that they'd like it used to, but to do that multi-hypervisor, that could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and potentially okay, so. dangerous. Ah, fun. <laughs> as long as I don't get the email alerts for that, I'm, I'm fine with it. It's fine with me. I'll just, I'll wake up, I'll look at them, I'll go back to sleep. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your mail's are stuff, so okay. you don't have to worry about it anymore. But yeah, I, you know, in short, I think 2012, there's going to be plenty of fun stuff to talk about, plenty of fun guests to have on, and uh, it would be great if you could all stay tuned to VSoup. <laughs>